is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Now, here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Hey, it's Rachel here with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie. And it's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. Well, great to have you with us along for the musical journey today. You're in for a great ride with a couple of twists and turns. That's right, Allie. And we're so happy you meet us here every weekend for your dose of music, arts, and lifestyle here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Mm-hmm. We're going to turn up the heat with the guests stopping by today. Here's the list. The Mulberry Lane Show's on Celebrity story songs You're gonna have it going on When we tell you who's stopping by now First up today, the band Better Than Ezra Now you know Better Than Ezra best From this number one smash from the 90s Now, Better Than Ezra is a platinum-selling group, and today you'll hear from one of the founding members, bassist Tom Drummond. Now, Tom talks about how this band rose to fame, some of his career highlights, how they write songs now versus back in the 90s, and you're going to hear all about their upcoming concert at Stir Cove Series at Harris and Council Bluffs this Sunday, June 3rd. They're going to be in concert with Bare Naked Ladies and KT Tunstall. It's going to be an awesome show. Okay, Rachel, who's next? Next, you're going to catch up with social media superstar Jojo Siwa. Now, Jojo is here today to talk all about her brand new single that just dropped Friday called High Top Shoes and all about her upcoming performance at Slime Fest in Chicago. Now, this is the very first family and kid-oriented music festival happening June 9th and 10th. Catch up with Jojo Siwa in a little bit right here. Who else, sisters? Okay, well, next, you're going to meet mommy blogger Janelle Hanchett. If you're a mom and you ever think that your mom style is a little bit not normal, Janelle's going to make you feel a lot better about that. Her mission is to make every mom, no matter how you parent, feel like you're just going to be fine and your kids are going to grow up just fine. Her blog is called Renegade Mothering and Janelle has a brand new memoir out called I'm Just Happy to Be Here, a memoir of renegade mothering. Janelle struggled with alcoholism and depression and her memoir is raw and real and will have you riveted from the moment you open the book. Mm And finally, bringing up the rear of the show today, you're going to hang out with the Birdman. Yes, you'll meet Bird world record setter and expert Noah Stricker. You'll hear all about his new book called Birds of the Ark, published by National Geographic. You're going to hear about his bird adventures as he traveled around the world observing 6,042 birds all in one year. Wow, that's quite a record. What have you accomplished in one year? (laughs) Good question. Before we get into the show, Allie, your little guy kind of digs this Birdman. Yes, he does. So you guys, I was editing this interview earlier this week, and you know, we've edited music legends, Oscar-winning actors, actresses, reality stars, YouTube stars, some big sports stars, and this Birdman, Noah Stricker, is the one guest we've had on the show so far that has absolutely captivated my second grade son. So I was editing this and he kept stopping me and saying, what bird did he see? And 
what country was he in? And then he was like, mom, can you Google a picture of him? What does he look like? And finally, by the time I got to the end of the interview, Luke was like, mom, that's what I want to do in my life. <laughs> so, so Luke's going to be a bird man. Yes. Or he wants to be a creature adventurer. He wants to go around the world studying animals. Well, Noah, that's awesome. In the interview, you said your fifth grade teacher inspired you. Well, it looks like you in turn have inspired Luke. It goes on and on. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, well, stay right there because we're going to be right here. When we come back, you're going to meet 90s hit maker Tom Drummond of the band Better Than Ezra. And you're going to be feeling good after this interview. Stay right here with your radio sisters here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Meet the celebrities on your radio station. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, they rocked the airwaves in the 90s, best known for their hit songs, including the song Good and Now Better Than Ezra will be coming to the heartland this weekend, June 3rd at Harrah's in Council Bluffs. But first, you guys are going to meet Tom Drummond, founding member and bassist, hear about their brand new single and what to expect if you go to the concert. Tom Drummond on the show, better than Ezra, here we go, yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> can I get that every day? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, thanks. Okay, Great to so, have you. So now what can fans expect at this show this weekend at Harrah's? Well, we are super excited about this. We've been good friends with the Band Naked Lady guys for many years. Yes. Uh, you know, they are a fun live band. We think we're a fun live band. The whole tour is going to be amazing. Great venues. Um, we all get along. I'm imagining there will be a lot of hijinks on this tour. Okay. <laughs> Keep it interesting. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. yeah, so we're really looking forward to it. Um, we have a new single coming out called Grateful. Okay. I actually think it sounds, sort of sounds like something off of Deluxe, okay. which is okay. our first album. Yeah. Which also happens to be in its 25th anniversary. Okay, so you guys have a lot uh, of stuff going on right now. Yeah, 25th anniversary of our first album, Deluxe. We're putting out a double vinyl uh, reissue of the album, which we're really excited about. Cool. Okay. And it's a double vinyl because we, in the 90s, had very long songs, and it won't fit on one. Right. <laughs> awesome. You know, songs were like four and a half minutes back then. I mean, In the Blood, which is our second album, I think it's four and a half minutes. It's kind of long, uh-huh. you know, for a radio single. Right. So we're excited about that. Um, now, is Grateful going to be on that one, or is Grateful on a, a It is not. Okay. Separate thing altogether. But I, I will say that I think it, it reminds me of some of that era of songs. So is it a long so, one, too? No, it's not super long, but just the style of it. You oh, know, it's just It's fairly simple. It's just bass, guitar, and drums. And I think it sounds like us, but 25 years later. Right. And I'm sure your <laughs> fan base will love it. Yeah, we're excited about it. Yeah, okay. the, the reaction so far seems to be really good. Okay, cool. So then, as far as like you know, writing twenty five years ago versus you know writing the new stuff today, is the process similar or what's it like now? No, I'd say it's completely different actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, I think it's different for every song. You know, for one thing, after Katrina, we all live in different cities. Okay. We all lived in New Orleans before. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, so Kevin lives in Nashville. Our drummer lives in L.A. I'm still in New Orleans. So okay. rehearsals are a little bit different. <laughs> do you Skype or how do you do it? Usually we wait till we are on the road and okay. we just do it at soundcheck. Gotcha. gotcha. If we need to. I mean, we've been playing so long. I was going to say, you probably know the songs stuff. pretty well by now. <laughs> 
Yeah, we do. It's only for the new stuff, really. For the new um, stuff, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So if we have a big show coming up, you know, we'll maybe get together the day before somewhere. But, like, we did that for Jazz Fest. So then where did you up. record Grateful? Did you go to L.A., Nashville, or where you were? All over. Okay. All over. Um, and a lot of the stuff was, you know, today you can send files over the Internet. and right. I recorded bass, and I sent it back, you okay. know, which is very different than when Deluxe was recorded. We were all in the same room tracking mm-hmm. together. You know, yeah. so it's just different. Do you miss now. that camaraderie yeah. a little bit? I will say, I do think you get a different result when you're all in the uh-huh. same room. Uh-huh. working on something, especially if you like that live feel. I think you definitely can't replace that by doing it, you know, sending files around the Internet. Uh-huh. Yeah. If you're all in the same room, you're going to come up with a different thing. Just even little subtle things make a change, and the end result is different. Right. So now touring, what would you say is the biggest difference between now and 25 years ago? Well, when we first started, we didn't have cell phones. Right. So, <laughs> so that's huge. Yeah, I mean, you know, so you used to have to pull over to the gas station to figure out where the club was, you know? Right. <laughs> so I think that's the major difference. And you probably didn't have GPS, of, right? Any of it. Yeah. We didn't have a cell phone. So I mean, that's right. how long we've been touring. Right. You know, uh, we, yeah, we had a bag phone in the van, you know, back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, things kids don't even understand how good they've got it now. Right. You know? Like, Touch. they can just Google something, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, right now you're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show, and we're talking with Tom Drummond. He's the bassist and one of the founding members of the band Better Than Ezra. You can catch them this weekend, Sunday night, at the Stir Concert Cove series at Harrah's in Council Bluffs. They'll be in concert with Bare Naked Ladies and KT Tunstall. So then now, this is called the Last Summer on Earth Tour. And then how long does this tour go on for? Six weeks, and it is. there are a lot of shows. Um, there's not much time off, which is great, but, um, you know, it's a fairly rugged tour. Yeah. It's, it's actually the Bare Naked Ladies tour. We're sort of their guest. We're the middle band on the, on the whole tour. That is KT Tunstall. She's on this tour as well. She is, yeah. And have and you... I, I've never seen her. I've never even met her, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing her. Yes, I bet. And then She's ha- supposed to be great. Yep. So now, how do you guys, you know, us being a band and, you know, we're sisters, you know, you kind of have to keep your relationships... Yeah. And also deal with the creative differences. Yeah. How have you guys been been able to stay together and keep your creativity intact, but also get along with each other? Yeah. I mean, first of all, we do get along with each other. And that's a huge component. You know, to be in a band is kind of like a marriage. You just got to know when to give and take. You can't fight every battle. Right. You know, you got to give people their room when they need it. You have to live to travel as well. If you don't like to travel, don't get in a band. (laughs) You know, because you're gone a lot. Like, we all have families. We all have kids. So, yeah. Thank God for FaceTime, you know, um, which is very different than, you know, back in the day. You know, so you just, you figure it out. And there's enough space on this tour, you know, to make things go. And and, and really, we do all get along, and most of the guys are pretty funny, you know. Uh So So humor helps. (laughs) We're not not a shoegazer, depressed band, you know what I mean? We we like to have fun. We like to have fun. We Uh genuinely enjoy what we do. Now, you had to deal with the suicide of Joel in the 90s, 90. Yeah. And as a band, that had to be super hard. How did you get through that time? Yeah, we took a break. We took a break. We took a couple years off to just reevaluate. We decided to try it again as a three-piece two years later. And that's really when we wrote Deluxe. Okay. Um, So, you know, it was really tragic at the time. But then, you know, later, I guess Deluxe came out of some of that era. So. 
you know, and Kevin and Joel had been really good friends in high school. They played in bands together in Monroe, Louisiana. I didn't meet them till I was in college. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, they were closer than I was. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, he was trying to figure out if he really wanted to pursue music at that point, um, mm-hmm. right. or go to law school, or do something else. You know, because we were in our early twenties at that point. And music won the day then. Yeah. So, how have you guys, being in you know the business for twenty five years, how have you embraced social media, and do you like it? Do you like the social media change? Um. Yeah, I like it. You know, one of the big differences for us is like when Deluxe first came out, there was no such thing as digital distribution. So, right. Like a problem we ran into is you had to go to the store and get the album. Well, if your album's selling well, you sell out of the store. You know. What are the chances that person goes back to buy that album? Well, now you can just go to right. either stream it or you know download it or whatever. And so it's a huge difference for bands. It also means a lot of bands have the ability to do that. So there's a lot more competition, I guess. Right. There's but both sides of it. Yeah. Same thing with the social media. So you know everybody's doing it. So it's kind of like how do you cut through the clutter? It's just a new. It's just a new thing. You yeah, know. But right. yeah, I think it can be used. Like I think we're going to do a golden ticket thing for the tour where we're going to hide a ticket somewhere and. You go on a little treasure hunt and, oh, cool. you know, something like that, which you couldn't do without. <laughs> That's right. Music. I love that. Okay. And then what would you say is a career highlight for you or one of the career highlights? Oh, wow. Um, I think certainly anytime you do any of the late night shows, those are always big, you know, right. on there. We played a festival one time at RFK Stadium that had 100,000 people there. Awesome. It was right when In the Blood was blowing up. I mean, it was crazy. The energy was off the hook. Yeah. You know, anytime you do something like that, I mean, really, a hundred thousand people. Yeah. In the same place, you know, it's it's kind of indescribable, really. So yeah, it's kind of a hot. Yeah. And then, what do you hope people take away from the performance? We want them to have a good time. It's high energy. Even though we're all in our late forties, we like to get a bear and rocket. All right. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Yeah. Well, Tommy, want to thank you so much for joining the show. It's great to chat with you and get to know you better. And yep. rock on. I love to sing in. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Have uh, a you great tour. Good and we'll see you soon. Okay, thanks, thanks so Tom. That's Tom Drummond here on the Mulberry Lane Show. He's with Better Than Ezra. You can catch them in concert with Bare Naked Ladies and KT Tunstall this Sunday night, June 3rd at Harrah's Sturcope Concert Series. Also, download their new song, Grateful. We're taking you to break with their biggest smash, Here's Good. And when we come back, you're going to hear from YouTube and social media superstar Jojo Siwa, also a Nebraska girl. with everything Jojo Siwa right here. And right now, the Omaha native pop singer and Nickelodeon star is back to catch you up on the latest, including her new single dropping June 1st called High Top Shoes and her upcoming performance at Nickelodeon Slime Fest in Chicago on June 9th and 10th. Now, this is the first kid and family music festival of its kind. Right now, catch up with Jojo Siwa. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the show, Jojo Siwa. Hi. Great to have you back. Thank you so much. Okay, so now let's talk about the new single. This is called High Top Shoes, and this is your favorite so far. So talk about how this song came about, how it came together. Yeah, so I wrote it with the same people who I did in the candy store and every girl the Supergirl with. But I did High Top Shoes, and I just, I love it so much. It's like, it's just so fun and energetic and, and I'm suit, like, that I wear every day. Like, so it's perfect. Your actual shoes that you wear inspire the song. Yes. Okay, so now when you're in the studio recording, what are your recording sessions like when you recorded this song? When I recorded High Top, basically, I just go to the recording studio. I record, and I record, and I record, and I record and do every line 50 times. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, do you record a line at a time, or do you sing it down like 50 times? We sing like a verse at a time, okay. and a chorus at a time, yeah. Okay. Will the debut performance of the new single, will that happen at Slimefest in Chicago? Yeah, Slimefest will be its first time performing. Okay. That's going to be great. Now, talk about the writing of High Top Shoes. Did you do it with these guys in a room, and how long did that take to write it? Yeah, we wrote it together. Actually, I pretty much wrote most of Basically, what the other writers do is they'll just, you know, search a few words or help me come up with rhymes or just stuff like that. But yeah, we were all just sitting down and we were like, what can we write a song about? And I was like, my job shoes. And they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's so fun. So now this Nickelodeon Slime Fest, this is the first kind of family kid music festival of its kind. So who else will be performing there besides Jojo Siwa? Besides me, it is Flow Riders, Zed, and Liam Payne. What time is your performance, and how long are you going to be up on the stage? My performance, as of now, is scheduled for 12 o'clock noon. Okay. And then it'll go to 12.30, and then I do the VIP meet and greet after, but 12 o'clock. Okay, so then I'm assuming you'll be doing your song, Boomerang, which has been viewed over 515 million times. So people are going to expect you to do that. Now, will the performance be like the videos, or what can we expect? You know, you just have to wait and see. (laughs) (laughs) They got spoiler alerts here today, huh? (laughs) Yes. Well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Jojo Siwa here on the Mulberry Lane Show. So now you've got so many things on your plate, the Lip Sync Battle Shorties, the School of Rock series, and of course your music, and then the touring and all of your social media. So first of all, how do you keep all the balls in the air? How do you stay grounded with all of this happening in your life? Um, Honestly, I don't know if your listeners know this, but personally, I know you guys and you guys know my mom. Um, And it's honestly, it's my family. They just, they're so amazing. And you know, your Nebraska upbringing, I think being from the Midwest also plays a lot into that as well. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So now what is next for you after this Chicago thing, Slime Fest? What else is on the docket for you? Um, well, just this month of June, I pretty much go to Slime Fest. I come straight home, and I do VidCon, and then I go straight to Australia. Okay, and what are you going to be doing in Australia? That's still a secret. Okay. okay! Okay, so now where do we watch to find out exactly what's going to be happening in Australia? Um, on any of my social pages. Okay. It's And are you going to be vlogging from Australia, I imagine? Oh, yeah. Okay. And then you also have a cartoon series coming out, right? I do. The Jojo and Bobo Show Show. Okay. And then where can people see that? A YouTube series? Yes, it'll be a YouTube series. Um, Nickelodeon is airing it on their YouTube channel. And when does that come out? That comes out 
I want to say the area of August, September. Okay. And then have you been using your voice a lot or do you have a cold or you sound just a little bit different? Um, it's 7 a.m. here. <laughs> it's okay. early morning. Okay. Yeah, because you're... Is just, in the morning, it just does not, you know, it's not alive yet. I totally get that. And you're West Coast right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. And then you have such a positive message for young girls. And before we let you go, you're such an advocate for anti-bullying. So would you just speak to that for just a few minutes, what you want to leave our younger listeners with? Yeah, if I could tell anybody anything, it would just honestly to be themselves, to be confident, and to have fun and to always love what you're doing. Because if you're not loving it, then it's probably not right. And you certainly have found something you love to do, and you do it very well, JoJo. We want to thank you once again for coming back to our show, and I'm sure we'll be catching up with you soon. Awesome. Thank you. YouTube and social media star Jojo Siwa here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Gotta check her out at the Nickelodeon Slime Fest in Chicago, June 9th and 10th. And download right now her new single, High Top Shoes. When we come back, you're going to meet mommy blogger and now author Janelle Hanchett. She just released a memoir and it's going to be some inspiration no matter what kind of parent you are. Keep it here with your radio sisters on the Mulberry Lane Show. Every day's another chance to rock it you covered the mulberry lane show now here's mulberry lane janelle hanchett put a new face on motherhood an honest in your face face and an unfiltered look at what many moms have experienced now i'm just happy to be here is her new memoir of renegade mothering it's a dance with expectations addictions and outsiderness now janelle also runs renegademothering.com a blog she created in 2011 to bring together maverick moms so she's here now to chat about the book and what you can take away and learn from her experiences welcome welcome to the show janelle hanchett uh, thank you so much i love it good to be here oh, great to have you. great to have you here okay now let's first talk about renegademothering.com now this is the blog you started in 2011 we got to get to the bottom of what made you start this website because you felt like there were no voices out there like yours well yeah i mean i i was newly sober i had three kids i had two kids and a baby i was in graduate school i was working at a law firm and i was looking for someone who was telling my version of motherhood. It, I, it seemed like I was reading things, and it seemed like mothers seemed to kind of fall into these categories, yeah. you know, like yeah. the super put-together kind of spreadsheet moms who we had it all have, figured out. We both and, have neighbors and like that. <laughs> yeah, and then there were like the too-cool-for-school moms who were like, I just sit my martinis and wear my skinny jeans. I don't care. And I'm like, well, I'm still wearing old Navy maternity clothes nine months after I have my kids. So, <laughs> you know, I ain't fitting there. And, and then every time I try to implement, like I'd read a book and I'd be like, okay, we're going to do the chore chart and then I'd forget about it a week later. Right. You know, so I just kind of felt like well, how can I be this excited and this grateful and this in love with my children and also this kind of frankly bored and feeling erased and feeling like 
I don't like this uh-huh. all the time. Yes. And and I couldn't find anyone who just let those two things exist together. So you... And that was the real struggle I had. You know, so I felt like I, I couldn't see my experience of this ambiguity and this, in many ways, this sort of conflict and dissonance that I lived on a daily basis. Right. So I just started wondering if I was crazy or the rest of the mothering world was, and I wanted to know. So I started writing just to see if there were other mothers like me. And so you created this, and the response was overwhelming, and you found out that there were a lot of other moms out there that were feeling the same things you were. Right. Yeah, it turns out I'm not special at all. (laughs) (laughs) But in a way, that's good to know, too, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's great, it's great, it's great. But, you know, you think I'm the only one feeling this, and then you're, oh, no, 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 actually, there's millions of us. And I'm sure it's, you know, something that people are afraid to admit, you know, so you were a voice that people needed to hear. Now, I'm just happy to be here is so poignantly honest and raw, and you talk about how total defeat by addiction brought you back to life. It was the total surrender when you were out of excuses. I think that's such a poignant part of the book when there was no place left to go. So talk about that point in your life. Well, I had always been a sort of air quotes overzealous drinker in high school and college. And then I found myself pregnant and married at 22. Um, Uh My husband and I had known each other three months. He was 19. I was 21 when I found out I was pregnant. And so I was sort of catapulted into this completely altered life. You know, I would never blame that for my alcoholism. I I think I was born an alcoholic, but um, Uh I think it probably exacerbated the process, sort of sped up the process. I became more and more reliant on the relief and the escape that alcohol offered. And then in 2007, my mom showed up and took both of my children, and thank God she did. I was a drug addict and an alcoholic and Uh rather out of my mind. And for the next two years, I was desperately trying to get sober in and out of rehabs, did a little time in a loony bin uh, with drug-induced schizophrenia and, and issues like that. And I really hit the bottom. I lost my job. I lost my home a couple times. But I always had what I describe as a next move, you know. I always had something to blame. You know, it's my Uh husband or it's this or it's that. And eventually everything was stripped away, and I had nothing left to blame. And I had no more ideas. And that was the moment that I became teachable. And that was the moment that I was able to receive some help and some treatment in the form of 12-step meetings and a teacher there. I mean, I had been going to those meetings for two years and couldn't get sober, but... I changed, right? Right. The meetings were the same. Uh I changed. And I was sort of smashed into submission, right? Uh And my ego and my self-centeredness and narcissism. All of a sudden, I realized I really did not know how to beat this. And I probably never would. And in that moment, I was able to be helped. And uh, I didn't think it would work. You know, I had tried so many things for so many years, and I always drank again. I had no hope of actually getting sober. Um, And here I am nine years later. That's awesome. Well, right now you're listening to the author, Janelle Hanchett. She's the creator of the blog, Renegade Mothering, and she has just released a book, I'm Just Happy to Be Here. And she hopes to help other moms with this very honest memoir about her version of motherhood and addiction. One of my favorite lines in the book is your fellow addict who said, we're all in various stages of my case is different. And as he was talking to you, he said, in your case, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a fire hydrant. But but what a reality check. Yes, yes. I had to hear it. If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a fire hydrant. 
he was teaching me not to trust my own perception so fully, you know, if I thought it, it was true. That was sort of how I saw the world, you know, and, and I, addicts are incredibly narcissistic and self-centered and immature. I don't know if you've ever experienced us, but um, <laughs> we're awful. And, uh, and I had to learn that my mind was not reliable, that, you know, I mean, alcoholism is a disease of the mind and body, but it, it rewires the pleasure system in the brain and... It will tell me lies to get me to drink again. And Jack helped me see that you can't rely on your own thoughts and your own perceptions. Exactly. Uh Exactly. I had to be leveled. I thought I was so special. And the problem with thinking you're super special, right? The problem with that is that it isolates you from others, right? So other people would try to talk to me uh and try to help me. And I would say, well, you don't understand. Uh I'm different than you. And what Jack helped me see is that I'm. I'm just like every other alcoholic. I'm just like every other person sitting in those rooms who has managed to get sober. So where you're at now, can you rely on your own perceptions? Did it come back? You know, yes, because, I mean, more so. I'm often wrong. I mean, I'm wrong a lot. Uh, And I definitely ask other people what they think, because often my first idea is horrendous. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm absolutely sure that something is some way, and I go, you know, you might want to check in with others on this. And then I hear them say it, and I go, oh, wow, that's probably more accurate. Um, But, you know, I had a real test of my sobriety in December of 2016. You know, my grandmother was was killed by a mentally my mentally ill cousin. Mm. And that was the hardest thing I endured in sobriety by far. And that was the first time I was really, truly tempted to drink again, okay. just to get out of the pain. And the way that I know that I was sort of restored to sanity or returned to a place of being able to kind of use my mind to think through drinking is that I was able to say, wow, yeah, you really want relief. But that drink is just going to bring more pain. Uh, And you're going to bring more pain to your mother who just lost her mother. And you're going to bring more pain to your children who just lost their great-grandmother. And I was able to see the whole picture, which I was never able to do before. Mm -hmm. Before, I just would have seen the relief in my hand, you know, in the bottle. And I just would have thoughtlessly taken that drink thinking, okay, I'm going to be better this time. I'm not going to drink so much. And going through that that grief and that horror... um, it was a real test of my sobriety, and it did show me that I was able to, with obviously huge support networks, um, you could do it. get through some really intense stuff. Yeah. yeah. And now I know we're out of time here, but before we let you go, what do you hope people take away from the book? You know, I hope people take away that they can define motherhood however they want. Um, Amen. And they Love that. <laughs> yeah. Just at the bottom, you know, whatever it looks like for you, you just got to roll with that. And uh, nobody gets to tell you what that looks like. And I think there's a lot of freedom to be found there. Definitely. And thank you for being a brave voice of motherhood. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. That's mommy blogger and author Janelle Hanchett. Check out her new memoir titled, I'm Just Happy to Be Here, a memoir of renegade mothering. When we come back, you're going to meet a bird expert. Yes, I said bird expert. His name is Noah Stricker. He's got some adventure stories to tell you about in a brand new book published by National Geographic. Keep it here on the Mulberry Lane Show with your radio sisters. You don't have to try, 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 try. You don't have to try, 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 try. We've got you covered. The Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, I bet you guys didn't know that National Geographic is celebrating the Year of the Bird in 2018. Now, this is celebrating the 100th anniversary of the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. 
So if you guys are a bird lover or you know someone who is, you're going to want to get your hands on Birds of the Photo Arc. Now it's a book that showcases amazing photos of many species of birds. Now Noah Stricker, renowned birdman, author, and photographer, joins your weekend right now to discuss this book and all things bird. Welcome, welcome to the show, Noah Stricker. Hi there. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Great. Okay, so now, first of all, you have to give us a little bit of background on what it is that you do. You've done some pretty amazing things for a 31-year-old guy. I'm a full-time bird nerd, so <laughs> that means I write books about birds, and I go on expeditions to find birds, work on research projects with birds, and anything to do with chasing birds around the world. Okay, so now, these aren't just little expeditions. In one year, you saw 6,042 species of birds in seven continents and 41 countries. So that's not a small little project. That's a huge thing. So how did you ever approach a trip of that magnitude? Yeah, in 2015, I did a big year, which is a coordinated effort to try to see as many bird species as you can in one calendar year. Okay. This is something of a tradition in the bird watching scene going back to the 50s. People okay. usually do a big year in their home county or their home state, but I did the whole world. <laughs> so <laughs> You expanded yeah, the project just a bit. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was quite a crazy way to spend a year. <laughs> you had to have some incredible and probably some scary adventures. Was there anything that was super memorable. I got to see in South America, in central Brazil, a bird there called the harpy eagle, H-A-R-P-Y, okay. that is this near mythical raptor of the South American rainforest. It's mm. huge. It's three feet tall. Wow. Its main diet is monkeys and sloths. <laughs> it can oh take a 20-pound howler monkey out of a treetop and take it back to its nest, which is like the size of a Volkswagen bus. And so I staked out this harpy eagle's nest in Brazil for five hours before finally the male eagle flew in and landed right in front of me. And I could see its big crest and the talons of this eagle are as long as a grizzly bear's claws. That was a spectacular bird. Now, you're also a photographer. I take pictures. This particular book, Birds of the Photo Arc, is a collaboration with a National Geographic photographer named Joel Sartori, okay. who has his own project called the Photo Arc, where he tries to document all species of animals in human care around the world, so in zoos and captive uh -huh. breeding facilities. And he sets up this portrait studio and tries to get these critters to sit still and <laughs> takes their portrait. And so this is a collection of his best bird images okay. and some of my essays about birds and the fascination and beauty of them. Okay, so now your role in this book, it was more of a writer capacity. That's right, yep. And okay. it was an interesting process to try to pick out the best images from Joel's collection and put them together in a logical order and figure okay. out what kind of stories we could tell. Okay, so now did they approach you to help out on this project? Yeah, after I got back home from my big year, I somehow got connected with National Geographic and they said, well, 2018, as it happens, we're celebrating the year of the bird because this year is the centennial of the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. Okay. And so they're doing a whole bunch of bird-related stuff this year and this book is part of that celebration of birds. Okay, so now, being a bird person, does it take a certain type of personality? What are some of the things that have led you to the love of birds? And then also, what are some traits that you have that contribute to your success with birds? 
Well, I got interested in birds when I was 11 or 12 because of a fifth grade teacher who put a bird feeder on our classroom window. Okay. She would stop class every time a new bird showed up and make us try to identify it. Little did she know what she created, <laughs> right? I went home and told my dad that we had to build some bird houses, and he was like, what? <laughs> and then it just kind of went from there. It's a slippery slope after that, but I think that many different types of people can get interested in birds because okay. there are many ways to look at birds. You can go on exotic adventures to far remote reaches of the planet and try to see rare birds, or you can watch birds in your own backyard at a bird feeder. Okay. Well, you're listening right now to the Mulberry Lane Show, and we're talking with bird world record setter and expert Noah Stricker. He has a new book out. It's called Birds of the Photo Arc, and it's published by National Geographic. So now I read that humans and birds share 60% of their DNA. That to me was a very fascinating fact. So when you observe these birds, do they ever remind you of people you know? Oh, totally. (laughs) Well, I think that birds have almost every personality type that people have. They share more in common with us than we probably give them credit for. It's true. It's just that we don't usually spend enough time with any individual bird to get to know it, to understand that they have these personalities and emotions and feelings and moods just like we do. So, Uh yeah, there's slacker birds out there. There's really motivated (laughs) birds. (laughs) Probably every type of human there is, there's a type of bird that's very similar. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So now what do you hope people take away from the book? Well, I hope that when people read this book and look at it, they will, first of all, just be inspired by the diversity and the beauty of birds. National Geographic has done an amazing job of laying it out. It's just a gorgeous object to look at and page through and see all these species that you've probably never even heard of before. And it's so up close, too. And they're in your face. So it's impossible to ignore the birds themselves and the emotions that they might have. Who knows what they're really thinking, but it's impossible not to read things into their expressions. (laughs) Or or to recognize ourselves in them as well. Yeah, so I hope this brings us a little bit closer to the world of birds. Okay. And then for you personally, how do you keep your creativity alive? One of the things we like to do on the show is to you know, encourage people to constantly indulge their creativity. So how do you do that? Well, I am a writer, so I cannot spend eight hours a day in front of a screen indoors. At some point, you've got to get outside and get some fresh air and get into nature. And for huh. me, that's birding that that does the trick. So I okay. try to go look at birds every day if I can. You've got to have something to write about. Right, <laughs> that's true. And probably watching them inspires you and brings out of you that creativity. Yes, absolutely. I think that birds are very inspiring creatures, and they help connect us to nature and to the world around us. Okay, so whatever it is in your life that inspires you, that's what you should do more of, basically. Yeah, follow your passion. At least that's what I've done. I feel like I get paid to watch birds. That's like the best job in the world. (laughs) (laughs) So now, do you have a favorite bird? I have two favorite birds. Okay. My first is the Adelie penguin in Antarctica, because I've spent some time studying them. If you've ever seen the movie Happy Feet, they're the ones with the Mexican accents. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and my second favorite bird is the turkey vulture. Okay. 
I have a certain history with turkey vultures. When I was in high school, I saw an episode of the David Attenborough series, Life of Birds. Okay. And I was inspired to drag home a dead deer and put it in my parents' front yard to try to attract turkey vultures. Oh, you <laughs> just loved them ever since. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, did one appear? Yeah, we had like 25 turkey vultures sitting on the roof of our house all week long. There was whitewash everywhere, but it was okay. totally worth it. Did the neighbors complain? Fortunately, we live far enough out in the country that our neighbors are just far enough away that it wasn't too much of an issue. (laughs) (laughs) I bet your mom and dad could tell a lot of stories. (laughs) Yeah, I think they've always figured that there's worse things their son could be addicted to. Right. All right. Well, we want to thank you, Noah, for joining the show. It's intriguing and fascinating to get to know all about the birds. And we have to thank you for taking our show to the birds. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) Thanks, Noah. Noah Stricker, author of the book Birds of the Photo Arc, published by National Geographic. thank world record-setting bird expert Noah Stricker for joining us on the show today. Check out his new book, National Geographic's Birds of the Photo Arc. You're going to love it. You're going to tweet about it. (laughs) Okay, sisters, who else do we need to thank? Okay, well, big musical high fives to Tom Drummond of the group Better Than Ezra. Thanks for bringing the 90s vibe to the show today. And you guys, make sure you check out Better Than Ezra this Sunday night at Stir Cove Concert Series at Harrah's. They're going to be in concert with Bare Naked Ladies and KT Tunstall. Going to be a great night of music. Tom, thanks for hanging out today. Okay, girls, who else? Well, big hugs and high tops to Nebraska girl Jojo Siwa, now dominating the social media scene. Make sure you check out her brand new single, High Top Shoes, that dropped Friday. And check out tickets for Slime Fest in Chicago. Jojo is headlining Slime Fest in Chicago. There's still some tickets left, so check it out. And Jojo, thanks once again for catching us up with your exciting life. Who else do we need to thank, sisters? Okay, well, finally, blogger and now author Janelle Hanchett. You gotta order or download a copy of her new memoir. I'm just happy to be here. This is a story about overcoming addiction and alcoholism and how she has accepted herself for her own unique style of parenting. And if you're a mom who kind of doubts what you do, this is gonna make you feel a lot better about your mom style. Janelle, thanks for bringing the raw honesty and a little bit of humor to the show today. Well, that wraps up another episode episode of the Mulberry Lane Show. Guys, we'll be right here, same time, same place next weekend. Make sure you're right there. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, remember to create where you are. And that's a wrap. Yeah.